golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G and Rich B got a little bit of... uh, Morning, froggy voice going on tonight, Rich B. A little, little under the weather. Wow, what happened to you, Holly? You're not so feeling so well this week. What, uh, what's going on? Well, you know, it was a big week last week, being at uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and um, fantastic tournament. All the, all the fun we had there the entire week. It was uh, what an incredible finish. Matt Every, our local boy from Daytona Beach. He had uh, some uh, representation out there. Uh, is the Daytona Beach crowd following him around, which was pretty exciting on 18. You know, he finished in front of Henrik Stenson and uh, uh, closed the deal on Stenson. Actually, basically, uh, and uh, Stenson obviously had a little problem on the back nine there. Well, got a little rattled. Really was surprised with uh, Henrik. He always seems to be very much in control. Uh, kind of a, you know, kind of a steely, in the zone kind of guy when he's, you know, out there and um, never usually seems to have trouble closing, closing the deal. But uh, as has been reported, his group was put on the clock as early as the sixth hole. Then I think again on number nine, and then on number 15, to which he three-putted 15 and 16. Claimed that, you know, he was rushed, didn't have time to really, you know, take the time he needed over those putts. I think one leads into the other. His putting was bad, and uh, his, his times were bad uh, as far as progression of play. Well, one led into the other, one bleeds into the other. You play a lot of competitive golf, Rich B, still. And, you know, this this conversation, at least, you know, these things bring up the conversation. And um, there have been people outspoken about the tour's pace of play policy. They were a hole behind, you know, uh, throughout the day, basically. What, what, what um, do you, what's your opinion on the pace of play? Do you feel it's fair for the entire group? To get penalized? Well, I tell you, it doesn't take much to distract a player from something like that. Even the thought of you adding a stroke to my scorecard is immediately flashing through my mind. And uh, uh, what's his name? Charlie Reimer said, you know, hey, listen, you know, get them in the pocketbook, you know, if nothing else. You know, make them pay uh, uh, money uh, for slow play. But these guys were in the last group. And, um, you know, I think that was more about uh, TV time than it was slow time. You know, they're a hole behind, you know, and it was throughout the day. But, uh, 
you know, my opinion on that is uh, there has been nobody fined. In over PGA, 20 years. On the PGA Tour or assessed penalty strokes. Charlie, Charlie said Henrik should have looked him straight in the eye and said, go ahead, find me. You know, and then I, gone about his business. Uh, I, you know, I, I, there's not much you can do about. It. They are slow, basically, but uh, you know, in a twosome, I mean, they should be moving right along. Uh, there's no reason for uh, you know having a hole open in front of you. Um, you know, and that's just the, the hardest thing in golf is to get people just to keep moving along. Well, let's talk about the winner, back to back winner of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Matt Every is first. Win last year, his second win coming this year. He's originally from Daytona Beach, lives now in Jacksonville, had a lot of his family and friends out there. I know when uh, we were out walking, we could we could hear uh, hear his friends pulling for him. And let's face it, he closed the door on 18, a big putt. And I was there in the press center after the big win. Let's hear some of his comments. I was playing so good. Yesterday when I got done, I hit it. That was the best I've hit it in a long time coming in. Even going out, too, I had a little rough stretch. But when I got done, I know how the last round plays here. And, and you know, we had a little win today. The greens were much firmer. So I knew, you know, yesterday 4 or 5 under didn't go that far. Today, 4 or 5 under went a lot further. And uh, I just kept plugging along, you know, Everything, I did a really good job this week of keeping everything, just forgetting about the past, good or bad. You know, if I hit a great shot and made birdie, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm done with it. Same, you know, if I rinsed one. So just proud of the work I've been putting in, and I've had a lot of help the last few months, and it's been good. I like this guy. You, you know, know what, what, what big happens changes now? in his life, right, what from last year now? to this year? He won last year, kind of disappeared, shows up again this year. And, uh, you know, like everybody's going to want to keep an eye on him, see what happens. But Well, here's the deal. He's put together a great team, including Sean Foley as his swing coach. And he talked about the fact that one of the things he did was he, he saw what happened um, the six months afterwards. And it's a big adjustment, let's face it. Uh, that first big win, he was on a big stage here in front of the home crowd. And he really looked at what it was going to take to get his game to the next level. That included his nutrition, putting together a good team. And I, I really like Matt Every. He was very candid and refreshing in the press room. Let's hear what he had to say when he was standing over that putt on 18. Well, I walked up to the green, and this guy in the crowd kept, like, coughing, like, straight putt, <coughs> straight putt, like that. And I'm like... <laughs> This, I mean, I was like, this guy's a, a real dick if he's lying to me because <laughs> it's a pretty important moment. So I looked over it pretty hard, and I didn't see anything. And so I was like, it was a great putt to have under, under pressure, too, because I, I literally just had to get it going. It wasn't going to come up short. And I put it on a decent line, and it hung in there. I thought it might, it, you know, the last three feet, I was, I was begging for it to hang, and I was like, gosh, these are the ones that always slip out. You know, it'd be so cool to see this one dive in, and it did. It was a really, really cool moment. Begging for it to hang on. You know, don't you always wonder if the guys hear any of the stuff in the crowd? Well, I guess that gives you a pretty good answer, Richie. I thought that <laughs> I was just... It. Somebody's got a lot of uh, cojones 
you know, trying to help the guy, uh, you know, with his putt. I don't know. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't recommend that in the future. But, uh, you know, a hey, good thing he made it, you know, and uh, he closed the door on uh, Henrik Stenson there. And he was also asked, as we were just talking about, how did victory number two feel different from victory number one? Let's listen. The first one I didn't think I was – you just kind of – you don't know if it's going to happen because it, it's never happened before. And, and after I've won, after I won that, I mean, I've been playing poorly. I played poorly right after for a while, and then I've, I decided to kind of – uh, make some some changes in my, you know my body and my game, and just dedicate it to you know my early to mid thirties. Say this is what's going to happen. We're gonna I'm going to do this the right way, and when it comes, it's going to come, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, I just found a way today. Today uh, very was it was emotional, but the first one is you know it's pretty good. You've worked your whole life for it. You know this one I've worked like six months. You know. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll, you'll take a win, however, however you get it. Anybody that, I mean, anybody says other is lying. But it was cool because you know you watch tournaments on TV and guys, you know, make a twenty footer in the last, and everybody goes nuts. And it's uh, it's cool to close one out like that. Close it out, he did. Yeah, he said he knew how the course played on Sunday. I mean, you know, relative to last year, and that's a big thing, you know, in a, in you know being able to put that in the memory bank. And that's huge for him. And uh, congratulations to the guy from uh, Daytona Beach. Pretty cool. Speaking of how the course was playing, two double eagles, Rich B. My guy. Back to back, Saturday and Sunday. Daniel Berger. You called it. Yeah, this kid's uh, quite a phenom. And uh, he did something that has not been done on the PGA Tour uh, he made a two, a three, a four, and a five on the par fives in one day. One round, he had a two, three, four, five on the par fives, which is uh, the cycle, you know, if you're a baseball fan. But uh, And then Zach Johnson on 16 on Sunday. They say that on average there are three albatrosses, as we call the double eagle. And here we had two in consecutive days. And... Arnie said there had never been a double eagle, not only in the tournament, but ever at Bay Hill. So uh, this was this was big stuff. You know, if you watched closely on Zach's, he could see that ball the whole way. He knew he hit a great shot. He knew he was right on target. And, uh, you know, I really like Zach's game because he's very precise from where the ball hits and to where it rolls out. I mean, he knows his yardages better than anybody. And I really think that's a big deal. You know, for the amateur golfer, for the, you know, uh, want-to-be professional, knowing where the ball is going to end up, you know, relative to where it lands. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight on the Golf Insiders. We've got Bob Herrick from ESPN.com coming up, as well as the Golf Insider, Tim Rosefort from Golf Channel and Golf World coming up. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Rich B. We We were just chilling last week. We were working. We were working. Uh, we were watching some good golf. 
you know, I saw Bob Harrig at the big dog table at the at the lunch area in the media room. At the lunch room. Yeah, he was sitting up there with uh, Andy North and all those guys. Was he you snagging know. a few of the chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, you know, he's in the front row. It's like, you know, there's a little pecking order in that media tent. <laughs> and my man... Bob Herrick was right up front there with them all. <laughs> and we got him right on the line right now to uh, get the scoop. Hey, Bob. Hey, don't be talking about me eating in the media center. <laughs> oh, busted. Come on. Come on. Hey, I've, but I've, I've been a lot better about that. Yeah. Hey, no, in fact, uh, I will go on the record. He had a bag of carrots. A bag of celery. He he had his little bird food there, you know, next to his laptop. But Bob, next to you was Michael Collins with some stuff that I said I don't know that's ever like Michael has ever eaten that stuff before. What's going on there? You got him on a diet or something? I think it's all just a ruse, just to make it look good. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of concoctions there. Absolutely. Well. Um, I think we were all a little surprised at how things closed on Sunday. I think if you had started your story probably an, an hour out, it would have uh, looked a lot different. And you've got several articles on ESPN.com about how this all played out with Henrik Stenson and, you know, w- what was he so worked up about, you know, this whole on-the-clock thing. Give me your take on, on how this all went down. Yeah, well, I, I feel for him. I mean... If, if he really felt rushed, then, of course, that's going to affect you. And, you know, I understand the side of it where you're in the last group and <clears throat> what's the big deal? Um, you know, why would you put these guys on the clock? They're not holding anybody up. That's all true. I get that to a, to a certain extent. But after all of the griping that has gone on in the game over slow play, I just can't get myself to ever criticize the PGA Tour when they do try to enforce the, the, the rules. I mean, if anything, they don't go far enough. Uh, this has been discussed many, many times. Uh, there's lots of players out there who feel there should be no warnings. There should be stroke play penalties, you know, uh, the first bad time. That is not the case. You, you don't even – you have to be put on the clock, which means you're out of position then comes the point where you're timed and if you get a bad time which as i point out in that story i mean on on putts you have 50 seconds if you're first and 40 seconds if you're second i mean that's a pretty long time to kind of size things up obviously that it's not from the moment you get to the green it's kind of when it's your turn so you, you know you get to look at the putt while the other guy's putting um and so anyway you get you get a warning at that point before you get a stroke penalty Stenson hadn't gotten to that point. He was on the clock. He needed to get a bad time before there would be any chance of him getting a penalty. And, um, you know, the way things are going, and as long as these rounds take and as long as guys are so slow, you know, TJ Tours is following its own, its own regulations in, those, in that instance. You know, there's a, they have kind of a, a, a way they look at it. If you get um, on a par five, which on, on 16, the par five, they were walking off the green on 15, and the group ahead of them had was walking off the green on 16. They're, they're, they are now out of position. You're, you're supposed to have um, – both, both players are supposed to have teed off by that point. So, you know, they were way behind. They weren't even to the tee yet. So that means, you know, you stick the ball on the tee, then you hit, and the next guy does. That takes several minutes. So they were way behind. They, they were perfectly within their rights to put them on the clock. And, you know, it's their job then to sort of try to catch up. 
but they have to know Stenson especially a very accomplished player and, and, and a very good guy by the way you know I, I don't mean to knock him um, but uh, you know he's got to know that that what are the chances I'm going to get a penalty I haven't even been warned yet now I just need to speed up and make sure I don't get warned if I do get warned then I know I can't do it again but he hadn't even reached that point yeah, and that's what surprised me, that it just seemed to rattle him and and get him so agitated. And it, it still, again, seemed like he had plenty of time to go through his routine uh, to, you know, to make those putts. Let's be honest. Did you really think that would have slapped him with a penalty? I mean, it's, it's, the bottom line is nobody else. There's no shot clock. There's no, there's no clock like in basketball. And the whole world knows that you didn't get the shot off or a buzzer goes off. I mean, it's the officials. And, and most people don't even, aren't even aware these guys are on the clock. So they're told they're on the clock. Is, he really, is it going to ever really come to the point where he gets the penalty? They haven't done it in 20 years. Were they going to do it to the last group, a guy who's in contention? I, no way. But they were going to at least tell him to get moving, and you need to catch up to the group in front of you. And frankly, you know, that's a fairness issue. If, you know, why should you get to take however long you want if you're in the last group? You know, if you're in the group in front doing that and holding everybody up and you're, you're a hole behind, they're going to tell you that you're out of position and you're going to need to move up. So, um, you know, I, I feel bad for them because, because uh, you know, you hate to see a guy lose a tournament for that. But by the same token, you know, PGA Tour has been criticized long and hard for its policy and slow play. And, and, uh, and and frankly, most people don't think they do enough. All right, there's two guys in that group, Bob. Morgan Hoffman was the uh, other player. And uh, are they notoriously slow? Or, uh, you know, was it just a slow day for these two guys? Or well, was it grinding out a decent score on Sunday? Rich, that's a, that's a good point. And in fairness, um, one of the reasons they got put on the clock was cause, um, because Morgan Hoffman was, was having a ruling. Uh, and so they got behind. And so, but the way it works is the group gets put on the clock, and now both players are subject to the timing rules, even though it was maybe one player who caused it. But again, there's so much, you know, there, there's so much subjectivity in there. The rules official knows that Morgan Hoffman is the reason they're behind. Is he going to really dock the other guy for for them being out of position? I mean, that's the other part of it. That's that's sort of unspoken. I mean, he knows why they got out of position. It was because of one guy. And now Stenson is not the speediest guy either. He, he's maybe a little bit on the slow side. But, again, I just go back to was, was he going to get slapped with the one-shot penalty, which is what he truly feared. I can't imagine he's, he's worried about whatever fines come with. You know, there are there is a fine structure that's never announced. And that's another thing. You know, if they would announce these things, I think it would help curb the behavior as well. But when you get put on the clock, there's a fine. When you get a bad time, there's a fine. And then when you get to a certain number in a year, you get a higher fine. But, of course, this is never going. This is never affecting the competition. Nobody's ever getting stroke penalties, which is what would really, I think, get people aware and get them moving. You know, uh, they, would, they would start to play faster. And let's be honest, if you can't, if you can't uh, size up a putt in, in, in that amount of time, there's something, there's something wrong. You know, those greens were not uh, icy fast. Um, and uh, he's played the course a number of times. So, anyway, it's just the whole thing's unfortunate. Uh, you know, he, 
Um, obviously, the, the bogey on the or the the uh, the three putt on the 15th pole was was or 16th pole was really hurtful. And then Matt Every, you know, great birdie on the last. You know, he still had to do that to win. So, so and then that gets lost in some of this. Yeah, good on him for for as we said earlier, closing out the tournament like a champion does. Curious, Bob, what do you think Tiger would have done in that moment? I think he would have looked at the official and just said, "Go ahead, make my day, find me." Well, it's it's funny that you say that because uh, there's a very good example of of when Tiger was in a similar situation in 2009 at the Bridgestone. He was in the last group with Padraig Harrington. And Harrington and him were tied through like 16, and they got warned because they were out of position. And uh, I believe it actually threw 15 or on 16, and Padre Harrington hit a ball in the water on 16 because he was rushing. And afterward, Tiger came to his defense. He, um, the, the official who, who, who pushed him along with John Paramore, he's the guy who gave Guan Tinlong the the one-stroke penalty at the Masters a couple of years ago, it's unheard of. It never happens, but they gave one at the Masters to an amateur. Um, and But Tiger was very outspoken afterward. He came to Padraig's defense. He didn't think it was right. Uh, you know, Tiger won the tournament. So, uh, I mean, I thought it was really good of him to do that, but by the same token, if they were really out of position and rules are rules, we, we talk all the time about slow playing golf. Um they, they don't have the greatest slow play guidelines as it is, and for them to ignore the ones that they have, I think would be even worse. Well, it's certainly creating some drama as we head towards the Masters now, just two weeks out, Bob. Uh, the Valero Texas Open this week. Jordan Spieth is just on fire as he's entering Valero, and we know that's uh, his home turf, Texas. What do you see happening this week and? um you know, your thoughts as we get close to the Masters. Yeah, well, this is the last week for guys to qualify for the Masters via the top 50 in the world. So it's um, it's a big week for those guys who are hovering around 50. Um, there's a couple of guys outside. Um, uh, Harris English is, is, is a big one that comes to mind. He, he actually had a good chance last week. He was tied for eighth going into the final round, and he shot 75 and actually lost ground. He went from 52nd to 53rd. So you, you're not going to move up sitting out. He's playing, hoping to have a good week so he can move in to get in the Masters. It would be a shame if he didn't. Then, of course, the only other way to get in is to either win this week or win next week in Houston. So the field's filling up. But I believe there's 95 in it now already. There's a few inside the top 50 who are going to stay there. That'll increase the field size a little bit more. We're we're going to be pushing 100 players, which is pretty rare. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's that, and there's the we've not had a, a repeat winner all season going back to October. So like, there's nobody standing out to me as someone you had you say, God, that's that's the guy going to Augusta. Yeah, and you've a lot got of names that think that we like, but not anybody that's really stepping forward. Yeah, you've got Adam Scott struggling with his putting, which is not a good thing going into Augusta. Uh, Rory, you know, maybe he, uh, you know, maybe he's just starting to get the game together, but it's, um, it's, it's looking, you know, like it could be a flip of the coin here. Absolutely. I mean, Rory is not at the top of his game right now. He, he slipped off that ledge a little bit after winning that tournament in Dubai. Of course, he's been ninth and 11th in his last two tournaments, which kind of shows the standard we've set for him. You know, uh, if he's not contending, we're, we're, we're on him. He's, 
now, now I know what, what Tiger went through. Um, but uh, the good news is he's got time to get it figured out. Time to uh, to try to, to try to get things sorted out. And then you know you've got you know a bunch of these guys who've won: Speed, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day. Uh, you figure them to be there can still find something. Um, you know, I think this is, is pretty wide open among among the, the usual contenders. Well, I, of course, is Tiger even going to be there? We don't have any idea. Yeah, any word at all? No, I mean, it's really been quiet. I mean, um, I tried to find out if he might even enter next week. Just, I really don't give that much of a chance that he would play in Houston. Um, but, you know, if you were thinking that he might want to play an event before, it is set up to play at Augusta, you know, the no rough and wide fairways. But they won't even say they won't even say no to that yet, which I which leads to believe they'll just let the deadline pass uh, and he won't answer uh, and nobody would think anything of it. But I mean, that's just how, how it is right now. They're not saying anything, not saying if he's going up to Augusta to practice. I mean, that would be another sign. Would he go there? play a practice round or two um he's done that many times over the years uh so no it's uh radio silence for the most part a lot of speculation a lot of a lot of murmuring about what's been going on at his home course but i don't know i don't necessarily know that any of it uh, means anything i mean i my my feeling all along has been if he's healthy how does he skip the masters uh but um you know, there's a lot of people who think that if his game isn't there he's, he, and, and it's not improved to the point that he wants, that he's not going to go. Well, we're all uh, waiting, and um, we'll see what happens. As always, Bob, thanks so much for spending some time with the Golf Insiders. Check out all of his stories this week on ESPN.com. Bob Herrick, thank you so much. You're listening thank to you. the Golf Insider 740 The Game. We'll be right back with more Golf Talk. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. Back the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G., Along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. And as you were saying, Rich, we had a great week out at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And, you know, one of the best parts is getting to see some of our friends in the media. And um, we are very, very lucky to have our next guest on the line. We got to chat with him a little bit. Working hard as always, one of the best in our business, and he really is, you know, he has the title, The Golf Insider. They even, you know, that's his title on the Golf Channel. He's one of their lead analysts, also contributes to Morning Drive, Golf Central, Live From. He, this guy just works constantly. Senior writer for Golf World. He's written books. He is the man PGA Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism, Tim Rosefort on the show. Hey, Tim. Holly, I hate to spoil your big you know, buildup, but I'm out here actually hitting golf balls right now. So <laughs> my seven-year-old nephew, who is not in the dry chip and putt, but hopefully someday. Oh, I love that. Camera, I, I would, uh, we, we'll have some sound effects anyway, but we can hear him hit the ball. Oh, I love you know, it. I love it. Anyway, um, it's ha- great to be on with you. It was, a great, it was an awesome week with... Uh, you know, a, a 
cool win by every and uh, some little controversy at the end about the slow play stuff. And Hoffman looked like a real star of the future. And, you know, Stenson didn't quite get it done the way he thought Stenson was going to do it, do it for a guy his ranking and how well he was hitting it for most of the tournament, actually all the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your, you know, quick thoughts. It, it, it certainly got Charlie Reimer revved up the other morning on Morning Drive. What part? The slow play part? The slow the, play uh, part, the, the part yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, I don't know who, who was really at fault here. You know, I've heard both sides were, were neither one of the slow or the quickest. You know, I don't, I don't can't get into that because the, the tour won't share, share details. You know, it's interesting, though, to me, I guess, if you look at it, just take a step back, a little bigger picture. A couple of weeks ago, Harrington was on that Monday morning playing a Honda. And he took a long time just to figure out the yardage on a layup at 18. But, the, you know, the difference is people have to understand when they're watching this stuff is that if they're not out of position, they can take as long as they want pretty much. Um, and so once they got out of position, it was kind of a different different ball game. And, you know, the only thing I'll say with Sense is he was sort of saying, you know, he, he disagreed with getting, getting, getting a ruling at that point in time. But I remember John Paramore as a European tour official. Speaking of Harrington, coming up in – I don't know if he gave Harrington a warning or gave him a penalty. I forget it. Firestone one year. So I think, you know, slow play is something that everybody's trying to clamp down on. And it's too bad it happened at the end of that tournament. It would have been nice to see, you know, if it didn't happen. But it did, and it just added another layer to the story of, uh, you know, a great win by every, like I said, in a, in a very an awesome week for, for Arnold and his tournament. Absolutely. And, a, and an unfortunate loss for Morgan Hoffman, who we got a – a real good look at this young player. Just some some great uh, golf, and Matt Jones sneaking around there at the end of the round on Sunday. So Matt Jones is uh, got that big win in Houston last year with it with an unbelievable chip shot and putt, and uh, kind of got to know him a little better at Bay Hill. I met his uh, his uh, swing coach from Australia, and it was funny because they were on earlier this year. I wish I, I never got a chance to track down the tournament, but it was a Sunday morning. We were doing Golf Central, and it might have been Torrey Pines. I'm not sure. I forget which one I was in for that week. But And he was he was on Skype uh, talking to his swing coach, Gary Barter, down at the Australian in in, uh, in uh, Sydney. And uh, I talked to him about that, and they said, no, we, you know what, it looked. I know what it looked like. There, or they said they knew what it looked like, which it looked like a guy who was really desperate. But they do that a lot, and uh, – didn't have to do it this time because Gary was right there. And, uh, you know, Matt Jones keeps putting himself on board. He's going to start, you know, winning some golf tournaments. Uh, he's got a good swing, good game, just, you know, has to figure out how to close it. And he's still a pretty young guy, too. So um, that's good for him. Absolutely. I want to talk for a minute about Jack Nicholas, the Golden Bear, receiving the Congressional Medal of Honor um, at in, in Washington. I know, you know, you're from the Palm Beach area. You've covered jack mountainous a number of times and just what a great honor and quite a, an emotional day for him it was beautiful to see him well up with those tears you know even before they i was watching it uh this morning on golf central and uh just before kelly's interview they showed him sitting in the i think that was a rotunda i'm not sure looked like it and uh just how he started breaking down even before the presentation started and uh what did Jack say that he was easier? He was eyes were watering. He turned around and Boehner's eyes were watering, and then he just kind of totally lost it. But 
nice to see that kind of emotion out of Jack. And, you know, he's, we talked to him earlier this year, just when he turned 75 and, uh, he's kind of, he's got, got a pretty cool spark uh, in his, in gleam in his eye, uh, which is great. I mean, he's, uh, it's, uh, it's good to see him out there receiving this kind of recognition and, um, you know, uh, think the world of Jack and, and how he, not just how he plays golf, but really, you know, how he's lived his life and, uh, as a family guy and done so much for charity, a lot in his later years, but throughout his course of his career, but really recently with, with all the stuff here down in the Barbin and the, the purchase, or I'm sorry, not the purchase, but the naming of the Miami Children's Hospital and the Nicholas name and, uh, and all the resources that are going to be put behind it because of Jack and Barbara. Um, as my wife said, it's too bad Barbara didn't get a, a that gold medal too, because she certainly deserved it. Not that, and, uh, and, you know, Barbara's getting the Jones award and, but she does. I mean, she, she, she was in there every step of the way with Jack and, uh, she did a tremendous, has done a tremendous job too. Absolutely. Continues you know, to. Tim, you'll, you'll appreciate this. And he attributed it all to golf. You know, and uh, yeah. and I've been a longtime player and a, a big, you know, big, you know, fan of golf. And you know, and it's taken me a long way in my career and my life. You know, as a PGA member and Holly as well, and yourself, we've all you know made a good, uh, you know, good, you know, life out of uh, being uh, involved game. with golf. It's incredible. It's going through some hard times, obviously, on some levels. Um, but you're right; it's a real kind of sounds a little corny and everything, but it's kind of a life journey, really, because you, you're on a plane and, you know, you see, you see somebody who plays golf and gets something in common. You really don't see that happen with people who play tennis or playing softball leagues or, you know, or whatever their sport. It just sort of has that sort of that, uh, that connection that you have something in common. You usually meet a stranger and they've been where you've been or they know a friend of yours or you know a friend of theirs. It's uh I know what you're saying, and that's, I'm sure that's where Jack was coming from because he wouldn't obviously, without golf, he wouldn't have had. Never mind the, the wins and the, the money and the you know the fame, but he I, he was talking more about what a, what a great what a great way to go through life uh, with with golf being sort of the, the fulcrum of it or the or the centerpiece of it. And the cool thing is, is you're hitting balls right now with your nephew. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. So you're <laughs> passing it along. It's a great story. Golf is good for that kind of stuff. I've had this young boy out hitting balls since he was three years old. I'm starting to lose him to flag football, but he still wanted to. He, he asked me if he if I could go hit balls with him today. So when you when you get that kind of question, there's only one answer to it, right? Yeah, and and also um, I happen to my my alma mater's golf team, both the men's and the women's, were in town on spring break last week, Tim, and uh, got a yeah. chance to take them over and give them a tour of the golf channel, which just had their eyes popping. But you also talk about, you know, some of the complexities of, of the game and the sport. And, you know, to realize what it takes to broadcast a golf event. You know, uh, most other sports, like they say, there's one field. Golf, you got 18 fields. And it was truly something to see the, you know, production studios and, and how they do things over there. It's remarkable. It really is. And to have seen the evolution, to have been part of it in the 90s, you know, coming up, driving up from Palm Beach when I was at SI, it's, it's sit down on a Peter Kessler show and that golf talk live and then to come back and see and have Comcast be there when Comcast buys it and then the evolution to NBC and just how many, I mean, incredible, the growth, you know, under, under Mike McCarley, Molly Solomon, the whole, you know, Brian Roberts up in New York. I mean, it's incredible now, you know, to take on an event like that. And that, that was, 
I would say it was a warm up to the masters, but it's it's about eighty percent, maybe seventy percent as hard or as com- complex as you know the, the people that we bring up there have it all organized, have everything come off, you know, pretty, not pretty much, you know, pretty much everything scripted, and uh, you know, people are in the right place at the right time. They're they're traveling together, they come together, and you know, hundreds and hundreds of people to do these events, and um, it's it's just great to be one small, you know, one little piece, one part in this big, 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 big um, operation that still somehow manages to maintain it. It feels like a family, you know, internally within within the inside of it. So absolutely, it's a lot of fun to work there. It keeps me young and uh, keeps me having you know fun and and uh, and you know it, it obviously creates a great desire to go out every day and, and do a great job at it, no matter you know what day of the week or what tournaments on TV. Well, before we let you go, back to hitting balls. Uh, I know you're right in Tiger's neighborhood down there. Any word on what's going to happen with the Masters? No, honestly, Hal, you know, I've been out of town for about 10 days and uh, haven't really kind of dug in on that. You know, I know it's kind of getting time for me to start focusing on that a little bit more. And, you know, this is not going to be one where somebody breaks a story. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. Um, but, you know, we'll probably have signs and indications of how much he's practicing and where he is with his game and, you know, how that's going. Um, you know, it was it was uh, somewhat not surprising he didn't play Bay Hill, somewhat hopeful, though, that, you know, maybe there's, a, there's an opportunity to play Masters. I don't know. He's uh, It's a complex thing. You know, we need, we could do a whole one hour talking about it, Holly. You know that. Absolutely. And we'll see. We'll see where he goes physically and mentally and, if it's like Ian Baker Finch, he's going to be like this forever, or if he's going to figure a way out of it, and uh, and then you know, and then do it. Obviously, coming back without playing on the on this golf course, it's got such a razor's edge around every shot. So absolutely, uh, the plot you know, thickens, as they say. Came back in '09, and he finished. I think he had his best best opening round ever. You know, finished fourth. I'm sorry, that was 10, 2010, and uh, you know. But this is a different time, different place for him, and uh, it's part of the intrigue. We did we did this whole show. We didn't even talk about Rory McIlroy too, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it sure this is. This whole segment, you know. Yep. I mean, I think I think he's trending the right way, and you know, he's not going to make anybody forget Tiger because you know Tiger has such a monumental impact on the game. But but Rory's he's he could really help the sport. I think a, a lot if he could win this grand, you know, win the Masters and have a Grand Slam and kind of. Take it to another dimension, so and and we'll another see. and another kid right on his heels, Jordan Spieth. So yeah. it's going to be a Jordan great Spieth Masters, that's for sure. Holly, thanks for having me. All on. right, Tim, thanks nice so much. The one, the only, Tim Rosafort. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, seven forty. The game. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more golf talk. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf, then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. And Rich, our next guest is a legend, a legend in sports radio and television. She's a talk show host, journalist, author television producer, and she lives here in Orlando part-time. 
the rest of the time she's up in New York because she was also the first woman to host a call-in sports show on WFAN. And for those of you from the New York area, I am one of them. That is the biggest sports radio in the country. She hosted a sports talk show for over 20 years and continues as the station's golf correspondent. She was here at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I spent a little time with her, one of my mentors and great friends, Anne Ligori. Welcome to the Golf Insiders. Well, what a pleasure, Holly, and, and what an intro. Thank you so much for that. Well, <laughs> great to be on your show. Hey, you know, you are... You know, you, you are a barnstormer, a pioneer, not only, you know, for women, but just in sports uh, journalism. Well, thank you. Yes, I started when I was 12. And, um, you know, since I'm 21 now, it's all good. <laughs> yes, you are looking good, Lewis. But be, I mean, no, before you got fun. into golf, I mean, you, you, you have interviewed the best of the best in terms of sports legends from Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Billie Jean King. I mean, um, you know, you had an amazing show called The Sports Interview, which I believe is the longest-running cable sports show uh, produced by a woman, correct? Or maybe yeah, anybody. You know, yeah, you know, it's just it, what a – I look back on that now. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did those uh, 17 years go when I was doing that? Because I was also hosting the, the Colin Sports Show on WFAN, and part of that time I was – hosting and producing a show that aired on the Golf Channel the first four years, you know, my own <clears throat> primetime show, Conversations with Anne Liguori. But I'm real excited because, um, you know, with the sports interview television series that actually aired from 1989, my first interview was with Mickey Mantle, and it went through to 2006. I think Brett Favre was one of the last ones I did for, for that series, and there were over 600 of those interviews, Holly. But you know, then the shows are kind of just um, on the on the shelf for a while. You know, I have all these archives and, you know, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Will Chamberlain, uh, Billie Jean, Annika. I mean, you name them. I had the, the opportunity and the pleasure to sit down with, with these legends. And, um, and then we just recently made a deal with Hulu and Amazon.com. And so now these digital platforms, are airing the show, so you can actually go to Hulu.com and see. I think they have 59 of them now. They just added uh, Pete Rose and my interview with Roger Clemens and Annie Pettig. And, um, that is Gossett so cool. Patty Berg is even in there. So um, I'm so psyched that you know people can, can see these shows. A lot of young people probably don't even know some of these names, so they're quite educational for young people to brush up on their history. And then obviously you know, our age, we just love, you know, kind of reminiscing about some of these sports le legends. Well, and even some like, you know, that are no longer around that made such an impact on the game, like Sam Snead. That's right. Now, Sam is not up there yet, but um, I can't wait till they put that one up. You know, some of these shows I did so long ago, they're on like three-quarter inch format, you know, and <laughs> anybody in the TV business knows that, you know, you have to actually, I, now you have to convert all these formats to digital. So, yeah, Sam was just, um, he had that sparkle in his eyes, and he was just so charming and had so many great stories. So um, I, I have very fond memories of interviewing, he's a great Sam Snead, so hopefully uh, Hulu will add that up in the next, add that to their to their streaming in the next coming weeks. So. Well, congratulations. And, you know, that's, uh, again, one of the great pluses of uh, our digital world that 
such great content can live on. And um, as you said, uh, for for new generations to see, but also for a lot of people to see uh, some of, you know, the great, great legends in sports. You know, it's really the present and the future of um, watching and of viewing because, you know, we watch live events, of course, on, on traditional cable, right? But, you know, if you're like me, you know, you want to just watch these shows at your convenience. So you can just grab your iPad or, or whatever and, and go to Hulu or any of these digital platforms and watch so many of these shows now. It's, it's so much more convenient. So, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun to have, you know, all these new outlets. Uh, you have been to the Masters how many years? Well, I've covered the Masters um, for WFAN and then the last couple years for CBS Sports Radio Network as well since 98. Now, I went as a, just a fan prior to that. But, yeah, it's been – look, I've gone, gone to Augusta enough to have just a whole bunch of great memories, you know, covering the tournament. And then I had the opportunity to actually play Augusta National the, twice, the Monday after the Masters. And – as you, as you may know, if you cover the, the, the tournament and if you put your name in the lottery and if you are lucky enough to get picked, then you get to play, you know, the, the course the day after and, and the pin positions are, are the same as the final round on Sunday. And um, so I've had the opportunity to play Augusta National twice. Well, I'm, and I'm... then you have, to, you have to wait seven years before you put your name back in the, in the lottery. So now I'm bringing my clubs on this trip because I, it's been seven or eight years since I, I played it for the second time. So Listen I, to I, you, girl. Listen to you. Can you believe it? I know. You're going to hate me. All your listeners are going to hate me. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So uh, we only have a couple of minutes. Since you just mentioned that, what was the, the hole that was the hardest when you actually got to play it? Oh, my gosh. For All me, of them? Every hole was the hardest. Um, you know, I just remember it was so cute. I remember I love the, the, you know, the par 312, and... My caddy, I hit, I hit, uh, my tee shot landed pin high, but, you know, since I used a wood, it, it rolled um, into the bunker behind, um, you know, the green. And my caddy knew it was a tough bunker to get out of, to place it and to have it, you know, stick and stay on the green. So, of course, being the, you know, the guy, you know, the funny man that he was, we had a great time. Awesome. He went over to the opposite end of the green crouched down, put his hand in the form of a baseball mitt, and I hit it right into his hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's a brave man right there. Gotta love it. (laughs) All right, and well, we're going to have to have you back again. We got to wrap it up. I'm going to see you uh, up there and Augusta a couple of uh, weeks, so I'll look forward to it, and um, we look forward to having you on again. Anne Liguori, thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right, Rich B., Our thanks to Bob Herrick, Tim Rosefort, and Liguori. And some final thoughts before we go. You know, what a great archive this Ann Liguori must have. Uh, You know, we've got to check this out, see if she's got a website, uh, just to, you know, to see some of the stuff that she's done. Hey, and by the way, I'm playing in the member guest at Orange Tree tomorrow, Rich B. Do you have a quick tip for me? Hit it straight. Hit it straight, yeah. And um, I'm just hoping that my putter is hot. Shout out to Shannon Wisney, who is playing in the par three right now. Sorry I couldn't make it, but I will bring my A game tomorrow. The Golf Insiders, thanks for listening. We're out of here. Bye-bye.